Captain John. Yes, I thought it was first mate. Okay, first mate John. Yes, thank you. How sweet it is. <laughs> oh, yes. To be loving new Yacht Rock in the year 2021. Yeah, I'm not going to say we need a bigger boat this time, but I am going to say our, I hope our boat is ocean worthy because we have a long way to travel. Yes, yes, we are really charting new waters. Well, one of the early discoveries that made this podcast um, something that we wanted to commit our time and energy to was this, we made a lot of discoveries along the way. One of the probably most unanticipated was just how popular this genre seems to be in Sweden. Yeah, and that whole region. We even You can include Norway and Denmark, probably. Yeah, because we, we stumbled upon westcoast.dk, and we stumbled upon all of these artists, the first of which was none other than State Cows. Yeah, and part of the, part of that is because they're doing it now, and that opened up a whole new way of looking at this as well. You know, you don't have to stay locked into that 1976 to 1984 timeline. If it's got the right feel, the right sounds, then it belongs. That's right. And that was the door that State Cows opened for us. Opened for us. I think you mentioned it opened for page 99, too. It sort of validated something you've always wanted to do, which is create a, a, a new – project that sounded like our old yesteryear, the music that we love, we grew up on. Well, yeah, I'd always wanted to make that music even back then, but it never quite came together. And then it, I thought that, you know, my chance was missed. And now all of a sudden there's people leading the way saying, no, you can do this now. And there is an audience for it. It may be a smaller audience than it was in 1980, but go ahead, do it. And so I did. Yeah. Small, but probably growing. And I have, an, uh, I have an announcement on that. February 19th is the release of the Page 99 record. It's official ah, now. Excellent. excellent. Looking forward to that. Well, I, we thought, who better than to go to the source themselves and find out really how sweet it is, but more so to talk specifically about state cows. So I think we should welcome the guys in. What do you think? Do it. So we are really excited now to be joined by none other than the state cows themselves, Stefan Olofsson and Daniel Anderson. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. I'll tell you a little quick backstory in case you're not a, an avid listener to the podcast, but your your names have come up quite a few times actually on the podcast, um, including with episode one, which was origin stories. Uh, John, you remember we talked about the origin of Yacht Rock. We, we shared our own personal origin stories and how we discovered Yacht Rock. And then we talked through the origin of the podcast. Why did we start this podcast? And it was as we were both discovering personally various aspects of Yacht Rock. And we made certain discoveries along the way that sort of inspired us to do this. One, of course, was Yacht Rock Miami in everything that they bring. But another one was I can remember the album cover when you texted it to me. And you texted me a picture of the State Cow's first self-titled album. And you said, check this out. These guys are making Yacht Rock now, today. And that's when it all started to kind of come together. Where we said, if, if, if people are doing this today, this is not something that just existed in the past. It's lit a fire in both of us and was in part a reason why we started the podcast, was it not? It was because we wanted, the goal of the podcast was to help people that love Yacht Rock and everything about it, but you get tired of hearing those same 200 songs over and over again that make up the core. So we started kind of looking, and we looked in two different directions. We looked deeper into a lot of unknown artists from back then, 
But then we did the What's Happening Now episode where we started to look at who's doing this today. And that was another episode in which we featured uh, State Cow's music because you're doing it today, yet your music still sounds like you could drop it into 1978 and it would fit there as well, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, so thanks, guys. First of all, thanks for being on the show, and thank you for doing what you do to, as the Yacht Rockers say, keep the fire. So thanks again. So why don't we... Um, the, the thing that really drew us to having this episode was, as you and I were digging and finding nuggets of interesting material, we, a, a common theme kept coming up, and we kept finding all of these Swedes, Swedish names, and we'd look them up and say, yeah, indeed, they are from Sweden, and we're finding that even when uh, my Page 99 music went out, I saw a surge in listenership in Sweden, Norway, Denmark, that whole region. So we wanted to start investigating why that area of the world seems to have grabbed on to this West Coast AOR yacht rock thing. So going back uh, when you guys were younger, I don't know which of you wants to field this one but or get both of your responses. When, when you were younger, um, long before you became professional musicians, when you were kids or whatever, was this music around a lot? Was it part of your family? Was it part of the culture there back then? How did this stuff become part of your psyche? I remember uh, my father had an old Revox tape recorder with the big wheels spinning around, and he played all kinds of music. It was Beatles, The Kinks, lots of English pop guitar bands but he also played music from from the united states with such bands as chicago and toto and that kind of music and when i heard that music it really stopped and and uh, this is something i like uh, and i i took it to me and i listened to those songs and records i think it was chicago's 17 16 17 and the toto 4 album and I played it over and over again. I reversed and played it again. <laughs> so yeah. that's my first memory with uh, this kind of music, yeah. What about you, Stefan? I, I seem to remember that that was a great interest. First of all, uh, especially from that, from that area where we come from, there were, there were a lot of bands. And there were a lot of people doing music. And I've, both my parents and... I think at least Daniel's father were doing music as well. They were playing music in the 60s. And there was a, a, big, a big community of musicians. I think at, at some point in time, everyone was playing in a band. And uh, of course, the, uh, this kind of music, the electric music appeals to musicians because it's kind of um, sophisticated and, and it's uh, a little bit interesting for musicians to find out what people are doing on the records. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have a similar background as, da da as Daniel about the, um, my father playing and my, my father and mother were playing records all the time. And uh, uh, they were playing, they were playing stuff like Beatles and uh, the Beach Boys and that kind of thing, but also the West Coast music, the music from LA, or some in particular the Airplay album, I remember Toto, um, some uh, Chicago, Steely Dan, especially. I think a lot of that was very popular, but it wasn't just a family thing. I think it was there were many people 
uh, in this area who were listening to the same albums. And um, I have at least um, uh, you know, a quite quite big circuit around the family who were listening to the same kind of mu- same kind of music. Uh, you know, you would find the, the Nightfly, Don Lafayette Nightfly al- album at people's homes that you wouldn't expect. So um, I can't explain why it was like that. But but these these guys were also touring a lot. I, I remember uh, Bill Champlin and Jay Graydon and uh, even smaller bands like uh, The Front and some some West Coast bands from the United States. They came to Sweden and played, played the small cities and played the small venues. So I think. Um, I don't know why, but many, many Swedes have uh, and like it and, and appreciate it. It's funny you mentioned the Airplay record, and that's one of those that I don't think it did much here. It did huge numbers, like particularly like Japan and a lot of Europe and stuff. Now, you know, people that are into this stuff recognize that album as just iconic in the formulation of the style. You know, obviously David Foster and uh, Jay Graydon and all, you know, but back then, I don't think it did much here, which is kind of interesting. Did you guys see the movie Searching for Superman? No. Released uh, some years ago. Maybe, I can't remember, five or six years ago, something like that. Maybe more. And it follows a guy who was, I believe he was an American artist. And he recorded an album back in the 60s. It mm-hmm. was never a big hit uh, in America or anywhere else, except for South Africa. And it became huge in South, in South Africa. It came, became a big hit. The whole movie is about trying to find him again and see what he's doing. Trying to... It rings a bell now. I do remember that, yeah. So it's, it's kind of hard to, to pinpoint exactly what it is that resonates in certain music. I mean, certain music resonates with certain people. And it connects people or it binds people together somehow uh, around a certain... Uh, content or whatever is um, appealing about that music, but uh, it's very difficult to pinpoint exactly what that is. It's it's part of a culture, you know. It's yeah. We have this strange theory that because it's so cold, so much part of the year in Sweden, that maybe the attraction of some of the summery West Coasty stuff from LA. I have no idea whether that means anything at all, but that's that's our perspective. <laughs> <laughs> well, are we are we reading it right? I mean, is there this popularity of this style? Obviously, it's the style that you guys chose to produce for your own music. But, you know, there's other artists, like we've mentioned, uh, discovering Victor Jakob Johnson. Probably messed that name up. Andreas Alleman uh, from Norway. Uh, Samuel Gungblad <laughs> and Ole Borud. Ole, yeah. Um, we stumbled upon this awesome website, westcoast.dk, so Denmark. Are we reading it right that it's this style of music? Why is this popular in the year 2020, 2021 um, in a genre that was birthed, what, half a globe away? You guys, first of all, is it an accurate read? And do you have any sense for why this region? Again, is it the sunshine? Is it something else? You can find certain centers for the for popularity for this kind of music. I and mean, you have certain parts of the United States, certain part of, parts of um, Scandinavia. It's not that popular in Finland, for example, as in, mm. as in Sweden. It's mm. not that popular in in, uh, in Denmark as in Sweden and Norway. It's it's a bit popular also in Denmark, 
Uh, and then you have J Japan. Japan is uh, is a big uh, big for this music, especially in Sweden. Uh, there there are a lot of lot of music schools and and uh, music high schools and uh, and high music educated people, uh, and many many people per participates in choirs and play music in bands. At least it was so anyway, and I think. Many people like like to be challenged, and West Coast has elements of jazz, has elements of complex harmonies, chord structures, and so on. And and uh, and musicians like that. And in Sweden, anyway, it, I think it's mostly musicians or someone who has played music or listened to a lot of music that likes this kind of music. I would agree with that. I would definitely agree with that. Um... You, 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 a certain group of people that listen more intently get tired of the one, five, six, four chord changes with you know a seven note scale for uh, your melody. So, so take us back to uh, you guys spent some time in LA together. Is that correct? Do I have that correct? That you were there. What brought you there? How long were you there? And what uh, tell us about that experience and how it played a role in making this whole thing come together for you guys. We were there in uh, 2002 until, yeah, I think it was a few months in 2002, four months, something like that. Uh, Daniel, I think it was. Uh, we went there as exchange students from the School of Music where we went in the north of Sweden. They had an exchange program with Musicians Institute in Hollywood. So we went there as, as exchange students. And of course, uh, as you might know, my mother is doing the website for Jay Grade, and she has been doing that for uh, since about 94, I guess 1994. So we had that connection since before. He has, he has been coming a couple of times to, to our city as well. That was back in 94, 96 or something like that. So we had a connection since before. And we uh, we met up in LA, anyway. But, but that, there's a lot of things happening in LA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that could be a that could be a tourism tagline <laughs> there for LA. <laughs> a lot of things happening in LA. Um, well, so then in late 2000s, you start to make music at State College. So let's focus on State College for a minute. The sound, as John alluded to earlier, it, it fits right in 1978 to 1984. It fits in 2020. So why did you guys, it, what, were you influenced by your time in um, LA and you know having access to people like Jay Graydon? Can you just talk through more like we did at the beginning about why this style and why now for you two personally? Uh, I don't think we could do anything else, even, even if we tried. <laughs> I mean, it just sounds that way. <laughs> That's a blessing. But I, I started a, um, a writing on a solo project called Days in LA. And it's mainly about the days living living in the, the LA area and experience around that. And Stefan was a session player and wrote co-wrote some of the tunes on that album. And that was was not a 
completely West Coast airplay record, but it had some flavors of West Coast in it. And, and that thing, I, that was the start of making music together uh, and putting something in that style and direction together. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I wanted to read off a few names here. So um, these names for our listeners, Jay Graydon, they know, Michael Landau, they know, Peter Freestadt, Bill Champlin, Jason Sheff. And it sounds like I'm just like reading a bunch of, uh, you know, who's who in West Coast AOR Yacht Rock. But this is actually a list of people that have performed on your recordings. And um, so not only is that an incredible thing to have these people on your stuff, but it also ties you back directly to the classic era of this music too. So what can you tell us about how these relationships came about? How were you able to get these guys on these records? Um, I just want to know a little more about that. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. Everyone is unique. We had a unique relationship with, uh, with everybody. We'll, we'll take a few each. Uh, I'll, let, I'll let Daniel start. Uh, I can talk about Peter. Peter is also an endorser for the West Coast scene. Mm-hmm. And, and he's doing, a, yeah, as you may, may know, with Will Champlin and Joseph Williams. Uh, and he's putting a lot of work to it and putting this product together. And we became good friends. And we talk a lot uh, over the phone and so on. And um, and Peter is a great guitar player. So he, so he wanted to play on the records, and we had a perfect song for him. So Yeah, that solo he plays uh, <laughs> is pretty incredible. Yeah, Mr. White. contact with Bill and uh, and Bill is fantastic it's 
he's he's just great. He he's yeah, wonderful guy, wonderful musician. He has a great sense of humor too. Well, real quick side note on him, because I mentioned Victor Jacob Johnson. Bill Champlin appeared on his song, his latest release in 2020. Yeah, Monotony. Do you know Victor? Yeah, I know Victor. Victor is he's uh, not he's he's born about an hour with a car from where I live. So so and Victor was actually a reporter doing his doing um, an interview with with on our first record. See, he interviewed us and uh, wrote about it in the local newspaper. <laughs> and Victor and me has changed uh, records. We traded CDs of West Coast music, and he has always been a great fan of that kind of music. So we know him. Yeah. Stefan, any other cool stories to share? Um, you obviously reference how you got in touch with Jay Graydon, but any other names that John read off that you want to share with us? Uh, well, yeah, I think Jay is the one I have most contact with, and I'm, I'm still in contact to speak <clears throat> at least weekly on it uh, through email. And we, sometimes we talk on, uh, like this, you know, on Zoom. We have this family connection because my mother started doing the website. That's, that's the story. And we met up, we met up a few times after that in LA and Sweden. And, um, I think it's just for me, him, uh, David Foster, and uh, say maybe Michael O'Martian. Th- th- there are a few key players in the Jack Rock scene in LA, and they they are the key players. They are the key, the, the Godfathers. Sounds like my uh, fantasy team, Tom, from our earlier episode. I had all those guys on it, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, no surprise. Did you guys have any guests on All Over? This happen- All Over happens to be my favorite uh, State Cows tune. Guess on that one? Yeah, that's all. That's no, no, that's all local guys, huh? We had yeah, uh, Fredrik Lundgren. 
was playing the, the solo of that one. It's an amazing solo. And uh, let's see, do we have, I can't remember. Well, my brother, Peter, is playing drums on almost everything. Apart from the first album, we had also one more drummer, but he's playing drums on almost everything. Who who plays bass? Let's see, on All Over, it's it's uh, Kilio, right? <laughs> That's not doesn't sound right in in English. So you guys have different bass players depending on the session or the song. <laughs> yeah, it, it depends depends on the situation. But we most of the time it's a uh, Kilio. Um, this is a Finnish name. It doesn't mean what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to, I was wondering. I was like, a- did we overstare welcome here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did want to ask you the strategy that you employed uh, in 2020, and I don't know if that we're moving towards what you're doing now. So you in 2020, you were um, basically releasing that uh, the album sort of a single at a time over a period, uh, you know, every, what, six weeks or so, a new song would come out. So that's a different strategy than just dropping a whole album. I um, just wonder what your thought process is on that, and is that something you're going to continue to, did you find it successful and something you want to continue to do? Yeah, I think that's the really. It doesn't make a lot of sense to wait two years and then, re- and then release an album. There was a, a certain time period where it, this anticipation was interesting, but it, it doesn't work anymore. I mean, people want to hear things; they want to hear things continue, and they want to they want to be able to interact with what you do. And I want to see the process; they want to see what's happening. And uh, I think that's that's kind of kind of different. Where you, I mean. Let's say in the 80s, you could maybe release an album every two years, and that was okay. And it was it would be all right with the fans, but it doesn't work anymore. I don't think so. So is there like a short window of time? Say you finish a song and it's out a few, just a few weeks later. You don't hold them very long. You finish them and get them out? Or? Yeah. No, and also, we, we, we work very, very slowly. Ah. <laughs> if you could wait for an album, it would be five, five years or something. I see. <laughs> what's coming next in 2021? What's coming? What can we expect? Yeah, we have uh, one new song coming out. Uh, that's we're, being, we're finishing it now. Just doing some small editing and uh, some small additions and mixing. I don't know exactly when it's going to be out, but I guess a few weeks from now. And we have a new. We have a few more in the in the pipeline that we're working on and finishing. Yeah, we have some, some written material too. So, but we will uh, we will probably do it on the same process. We're releasing it one one at a time, and um, and then we put if if we get enough songs, we will. Put them on. Put them on uh, an album. So, as of uh, recording of this, you have um, "If We Could Be Together" and "Caught in a Landslide" are both out, uh, available everywhere. Um, but I notice uh, I don't know how if it, how intentional it was, or it appears to be a little bit of a different sound or a different vibe to this. Is there a conscious effort to say, okay, let's do something that sounds a little bit different, not like it sounds separate from your catalog? But it just sounds like it has a little bit of a different approach. Is that just evolution, uh, or is there something where you decided let's, you know, stop what we were doing? Uh, let's say with the, you know, the human ladders uh, sound, and then let's do something a little bit different. Was there sort of an intent to that? Yeah, um, I don't. I think it's just you. You uh, you get into a, a little um, 
you want to change things around a little bit. You, you just want to do things a little bit different, differently, just to see how it's going to be. And we've done that previously too. We had a song, we had some songs on the, I think the second album. Um, I, I had one uh, instrumental tune was quite weird. We had a, a few some exper experimental tunes that uh, maybe didn't fit into the in the normal sort of steakhouse sound. And also on, on challenges, we had a tune that. I don't know, of course, it caused some controversy because it sounded differently from the other ones. It sounded like, um, I guess, more rocky. Borrowed time? Or borrowed time. Yeah, I love that one. All of a sudden, I'm hearing a little bit of Toto in your sound. I thought that was great. One, one interviewer was very, he was very worried that we that we left the, um, the the West Coast sound, so to speak. You know, the thing about reviewers, we've talked about this, Tom. That, that reviewers, you know, they, you can't help it that you when you sort of review something, you're reviewing it in a certain time period based on what you know before, and even a reviewer has a certain expectation whether they want to try to be objective or not. But it's so funny how albums that get reviewed badly at the time, because a lot of times what the, the uh, reviewer might say, oh, well, now they don't sound like themselves anymore or whatever it is. And then you go 20, 30 years down the road and you look back at that record and you, you see it as being brilliant. I mean, there was a famous, uh, I, I wish I could remember which Bob Dylan album it is, but it's one of his more iconic ones. And somebody the review of it was just, what is this bleep, you know? <laughs> and now it's considered to be the most legendary. I was reading, um, and I'm saving this for a future episode, but if you want to look up the Rolling Stone review of Toto 4, that'll give you a laugh. So, <laughs> Well, let me, if you guys don't mind, let me quote the great Frank Zappa, who said, rock journalism is people who can't write interviewing people who can't talk for people who can't read. <laughs> so there you go. Well, this has been great. So everyone, love having you guys on. Everyone needs to go to statecows.com. I follow you on Facebook, Twitter. You guys are on Spotify. Everywhere, you know, you might expect to find a band. Um, thanks again for keeping the fire. Hopefully you'll, you won't ever stray too far from the West Coast, but certainly want you to flex your creative wings. John, did you want to close this out? I had one thing, yes, and I stole it right off of their website. So I'm going to quote their website because I think this is just killer because it completely sums up uh, State Cows. They say, smooth guitar lines, halftime shuffles, funky bass lines, slick harmonies, real fender roads, tight horn sections, and some California sunshine. It's all in there. I love that. <laughs> love it. Thanks. Okay, thanks, guys. Thank you. Yeah, you guys check the boxes for sure, including the sunshine. So, uh, happy new year. Good luck with everything you guys got going on this year, and we'll hope to have you back on the show sometime. Yeah, thank you. So I cease to ever have been. So I cease to ever have been. Well, that was, uh, that was really great having those guys on. They just had, um, you know, so much to offer and I cannot wait to hear what they've got 
planned for uh, releases this year, or well, 2021, that is. So uh, without further ado, why don't we sail into the lightning round? Yes, sir. All right, lightning round. I'm hoping I can go first on yacht or not. Can I? You might as well because you you asked. Usually the person that asks that gets okay, to go That's first. why I asked it quickly because I'm afraid that you're going to yeah, steal right. this. Because if we're talking about how sweet it is, I had to go back to the time frame. Mm-hmm. And who was the biggest Swedish band of the era? Not necessarily the genre, but the era. Of which era? The Yacht Rock era? Uh, well, any era. Who's the most famous Swedish band of all time, I guess? Are you thinking ABBA? I am thinking ABBA. Okay. Very good. So uh, disco, not Yacht Rock. But interestingly that there's this sort of side uh, genre or adjacent genre emerging. If you've seen it on Facebook, Yacht Disco is becoming a thing. Yep. But I wondered, could I find the yachtiest ABBA song of all time? And I think I have. So it actually charted on the yacht ski scale. Very low. Mm, it's mm. definitely not according to the fellas. But how about but you? But somebody sent it into them, so they had the same question you do. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to send it into you. The name all of right. the song is The Name of the Game. Well, I am such a huge ABBA fan, and I will say that, you know, listening to ABBA without the lens of all of the satire that's done about it over the years and the the complexity of their arrangements, the the layers, the, the sonic things that are interesting, the, the call and answer stuff that they do, it's, it, there's no question that there's a good reason – to ask the question because they have everything in it from a technical standpoint, but I don't hear it as yacht at all. I hear it as just brilliant pop music um, with a little bit of saccharin added, but I don't hear it as yacht. Yeah. I kind of agree. It's, I do think it is the yachtiest song probably in their entire catalog, but you're right. I think they kind of get dismissed because of the kitschiness of the disco era in Mamma Mia and things like mm-hmm. that. And the fact that my father-in-law at the age 78, that's his favorite band, whatever. But I'm going to go yacht on this one, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Because I anticipate a lot of people throwing at me, hey, what about ABBA? Are they yacht rock? And I'm going to say no, but check out the name of the game. Okay. So that makes it yacht just because you want to point people to it? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds as good a reason as anything else. (laughs) (laughs) No, because I do think it's got – it does have elements of Yacht Rock if you listen to it. It's – and again, for all the reasons that like you validated that people should actually check out uh, ABBA some more, this will give me that reason. So what about you? Who do you got for Yacht or not? I like that. Okay. Um, I think mine maybe uh, falls into the the question of whether – really lands in the time frame and maybe that makes it what some people like to call proto-yacht or pre-yacht because this song originally I guess was released in 1967 in a different form then it was redone by this artist in 1972 but really didn't get released as a single till 1973 November of 1973 so we're really getting getting closer and closer to the cusp but I hear this one played a lot within yacht rock circles and this is from Todd Rundgren, and it's Hello, It's Me. Hello, it's me. I've thought about us for a long, long time. Maybe I think too much, but something's wrong. There's something here that doesn't last 
Well, I had no idea Todd Rudgren was Swedish, so that's a discovery. He's a sweet guy. Sweet oh. guy. Yeah. No, so when I said we're going to do how sweet it is, uh, we'll go back no, and we'll right. edit this off. We can edit. So interesting about that song is that early on, it was for sure one of those discoveries that I'm like, oh, yeah, this song it's going on my playlist. The more I hear it now, though, the less I consider it yacht. Um, I don't know why. Just a sound feel type of thing. So nonetheless, it's in my playlist. I haven't removed it, so I'm going yacht. I think I'm going to go there as well. Um, when I originally put it on here, I was going to vote yacht, but um, I listened to it this morning just before we decided to record this. And I'm like, you know, really, this is a good off the map suggestion more than it mm. is a yacht song. So I like it in my list, but I can't say that it's got enough of the elements to call it yacht for me. Gotcha. All right. I can I can dig with that. Um, all right. Well, we're off to find some buried treasures. I do some believe. buried treasures. And uh, I am going to be topical on this one. Excellent. So um, you'll have to take back what you said about me earlier that I've already edited out. <laughs> This one is actually a State Cow song, and um, one of my favorites from them, this is from their second album, 2013. Uh, the song is called In the City, but what the part that I want to play is the Jay Graydon guitar solo. And I want to point out that Jay always has a cool uh, thematic approach that he puts in each solo. It's something different each time, and in this one, he's using these really cool pinch harmonics where he makes the guitar really whistle. You'll see he'll play this phrase, and then there'll be this stack of real short notes on harmonized guitars, and then he plays another phrase, and then bip, there's this stack of guitars, almost like uh, Queen, Brian May. But check out the way that he builds this solo between the main lead and these little parts that interject. Check it out. That is absolutely killer. Oh, you're not kidding. So it's got the harmonics, the harmonies. It's got just virtuous, you know. Virtuosity? Uh, stuff. Virtuosity, yes. Just amazing. That's unbelievable. Buried treasure, baby. Great find, yeah. I also had a note. I'm not going to include it, but let's mention another state's uh, cow song, which is all over. And in case you missed the reference in the episode, Take this opportunity to go listen to All Over because there's a, a lead that the guys do. It's not even a, a guest cat, I don't think. That's equally interesting. Um, just a great all-around song. My Buried Treasure. I'm sticking with the theme. I'm actually sticking with the artist. Because everything you said earlier about ABBA I think is true. But I don't know how many people realize that it is true or why you would make such a claim because they hear take a chance on me and dancing queen and doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of substance there. So my buried treasure, this isn't even a yacht rock song, but it's a buried ABBA song to me. Anyway, the winner takes it all. That is an epic anthem. It is. It really is anthemic. That's, yeah. 
it's got a, almost a cinematic nature to it. Um, but yeah, that is such a great song. That's off of ABBA the album. Is that correct? I don't recall offhand. Um, Let me look it up. But yeah, ABBA let's see if a flag the- is going to be thrown. We have a flag on the play. The ABBA song entitled "Winner Takes It All" does not come from ABBA the album, but rather Super Trooper. Five-yard penalty, still first down. Uh, I should have known that. Super Trooper. So, well, the flag has been thrown. <laughs> I hate, I, I hate the flag, man. I knew this time yeah. too. It's usually me. Good. I, I baited you into it by <laughs> finding an obscure Abathon. It's not obscure. All right. Though, well, right well yeah. no, it's not. Love it's it. It's more obscure than it should Love be. Anyway, it off uh, the map. I'm going to start off the map, and I'll let you close us out. Okay. Um, I'm crediting you with introducing me to this artist. I think I'll pronounce his name correctly. Andreas Aleman. Could be. Looks like Aleman. Yeah. Um, you introduced me to the artist. I actually kind of fell in more love with him when I was doing research for the Christmas special because he does a duet um, with Michael McDonald. Yeah. Um, yeah. Trying to remember the song now, but it's it's off. Uh, I think Michael. No, it's off Andreas Christmas album. Oh, could be another flag. No, 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 no. You caught it in time. Anywho, uh, but the song that I think is a, a really good yacht rock tune, but it's off the map from an era perspective, is helplessly. In love. I remember coming across that one. Yes, yes, yes. It's a good yeah. one. Yeah. And again, this is another data point for our how sweet it is episode. for sure i mean it's he has more of a modern production sound but all the other elements are there you know yep from a musical standpoint very cool Absolutely. he's got such a powerful voice too man just power well my off the map is going in much in the opposite direction this song is super understated and um this is from 2008 so from an era standpoint completely outside uh this is jason mraz and Colby Calais from uh, this is from the uh, Jason Mraz album. We sing, we dance, we steal things, and the song is called "Lucky." Lucky I'm in love with my best friend. Lucky to have been where I have been. Lucky to be coming home again. That's a good, that is a good find, because I, I do like that. Too. Yeah, it's got those very, uh, almost um, Trojan horse lyrics where they talk about uh, over the body of water, yada, yada, you know, And but it's very West Coast in its lyrical construction. It's got the halftime shuffle. It's got the roads. So it's got a lot of those things, but it's, um, it definitely doesn't sound like, uh, you know, the era of Yacht Rock, but it has mm-hmm. a lot of the great elements. So it, it sits in nice as a off the map. Yeah. John Mayer is another one of those artists that I think mm-hmm. deserve more respect than he probably gets because he comes across as this, you know, sort of pop. I think that's how I got here. Um, my daughter, Annika had sent me some recommendations for off the map and there was John Mayer in there. And uh, I just surfing around, came across this Jason Mraz tune and um, it was, it was, wasn't what I was originally looking for. So it was an interesting discovery. 
Yeah, and I love Jason Moraz as well. So, cool. Um, all right. Well, I guess that's it for this episode. It was great to talk to the state cows. Um, I apologize for any of the names that I butchered. Um, they were kind enough to do the interview in English. Um, I'm sure it's their their natural language, but Sounded of course like there it. is a Swedish. <laughs> yeah, there is a Swedish language as well. Did you know that? No. I was just going to say one of my favorite Swedish expressions has a very loose translation to what we do. And? It's ahoy polloi. Ah!